Hey everyone, welcome to the Torque Message of the Week. We know you will be uplifted and equipped to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus through what is spoken. Please enjoy this message from Pastor Tony Cassis. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit torque.org. Now for the message. Pastor Tony, let's pray over you and you're going to give us this word. Father, we thank you for this man of God. I thank you, Lord, that in him, Lord, you're doing a new thing. You're showing him who he is for the first time. And Lord, I always say it, let his words now be your words. Lord, let him speak with authority, that delegated authority. And I bind any accuser that would try to stand here and accuse him. Lord, I thank you, Father, that, Lord, he is going to rely on every inch of your grace, Lord, and he's going to move in power and confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well said. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter. Let me read the scriptures. I, uh, I attended the uh, seminar yesterday with Dr. Robin. It was excellent. And some truths really hit home for me as well. And I'm praying by the grace of God, I will implement those truths and not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. When I read through the, um, the Gospels, I often put myself in the place of those receiving ministry from Jesus. And I do that because I want to try and grasp whatever the lesson is that the Holy Spirit's putting into the Scripture there. You know, like when the woman that Jesus met at the well, I often ask myself, how would I have responded if I was asked the same questions? Um, the leper who came to Jesus and said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The blind man, Bartimaeus, Zacchaeus, the short guy who couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd and he climbed up a tree. And so all these characters in the New Testament in one way or another reflect some of our character, some of our personality. And there's... Another side to this that we often overlook and that is the positive side, right? Jesus came not just to heal the brokenhearted but he came to actually confront those people who thought they were okay with God when they were not, all right? And so... When the Lord addressed the Pharisees, I often used to look back and think, oh, wow, how, how wicked were these people that they believed that they had no wrong thing before God. They thought they were perfect before God. And then Jesus comes along and he exposes their hearts. And... I often fell into judging the Israelites in the wilderness because of their complaining. But I found out 
as my walk went a little deeper, there was a lot of complaining going on, okay? When I saw the Lord addressing the Pharisees, I used to judge them and think they were pathetic. But recently the Lord's been showing a pharisaical side to my personality. And I know now that the grace of God is a little more real to me than before. Okay? The reason why I say that is it's easy to say and not do. Okay? And this is the, the big fault of the Pharisee. The Pharisee thought he could have a secret self-life. And that's what I've named today's sermon, the secret life of self. Okay? And I'll start by saying I'm not admitting to anything and I'm not denying anything. All I'm telling you is I am a recipient of the grace of God just like everybody else. But... When Dr. Robin was sharing about the uh, camouflage that the enemy uses to keep his activity in the dark, that really hit home with me yesterday. A stronghold cannot exist except that it is undetected in the recipient. If you don't believe there's a problem, that doesn't mean that there is no problem, okay? Because the enemy has dressed it up to make it look good in your own eyes, not in God's eyes, in your own eyes. And this is where the Pharisees really failed. They were good in their own eyes. And so in Matthew 23, I'm only going to read from verse 27 and 28. Because the Lord really derided the Pharisees for having a secret life of self that no one could see but God. All right? And the Lord Jesus called them out on it. He told them you can no longer live that secret life and be in good standing with God. Look at what he says in verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So straight up, the Lord tells them, What you present is not who you are. And unfortunately, a lot of us present what we are not really down deep inside. Now, that could be a positive or a negative pride. There are those of us who appear okay, but inside we're falling apart. And there are those of us who need to be falling apart, right? but we're too hard to actually let reality touch us. Now, I've often said this. When I came to the Lord, 
I, I, I knew I was forgiven of my sins. But what I didn't know, and I'm coming to know, that there were things that I thought were still good that God could use that God is now revealing He doesn't want anything from the old life. Zero. Zilch. Okay? When you came to the Lord Jesus, He literally hammered your old self to the cross. We try and resurrect that old personality trait or the enemy uh, in another way hides the, hides it from our our perception or our discernment. I got a word from Bill Hammond 15 years ago about the Lord was going to start digging down deep to where the monsters of the deep are. And those monsters are the personality traits that I couldn't see because I thought they were good. And now the Lord's calling the enemy out on these things. You see, you cannot have a secret life of self even in the thought life. Okay? When we say every thought captive to Christ, God means it. You're only free when you're thinking what God wants you to think all the time. Now you're thinking, how, how is that possible? All the time? Believe me, it's possible. Again, we quote from yesterday and, and the scripture, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And here it is, bringing every thought into the captivity or lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so... I've come to know that the one who is truly free is the one who has a good conscious bef conscience before God. I know Timothy touched on this the last few Sundays. But when your conscience is no longer bearing guilt upon your heart and soul, you are now walking in total freedom. Okay? Because there's no longer a, an area where the enemy can accuse. And so many of us, you know, if I was to challenge everyone who's here tonight and those who are joining us online, if I could play on that video screen every thought you have and entertain. No, no thank you. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean just the little nitty gritty things. I mean what? No one else knows except you and God. You see? And guess what? I say that because the Holy Spirit wants to go down that deep. All of the fantasies, all of the filth, all that the world has pumped into you and you thought was okay, all of the lies of the enemy that spun... If no one knows about it, it's not going to hurt anybody. This is how some of the tactics have been used in, in my personal life. Okay? And again, it may look good, feel good, seem good, but if it didn't start with God, there's an enemy there. And there's a purpose behind it. 
And usually the purpose is to keep the old self alive. And that's exactly what God wants to crucify. We have to actually let the crucifixion of the personal self be done by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he nailed all the sins and the judgments to the tree. But what about who you are as a person? Pastor, you taught us many years ago, there, there comes a time in your walk where you literally can no longer see yourself because the change has been so dra dramatic. You, you are tempted to think, who am I? Well, the truth is you've become who God has created you to be. And it's an entirely new person. See? And this is the objective of the Holy Spirit. So... You know, the scripture says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands and then poverty will come upon you suddenly. I'm applying that to the, the, the subtlety of the camouflage. When we entertain things and we are not discerning where their origins are from, come on. it's just, you know, the devil doesn't drown us in one, one swoop. On. He does it with little subtle bits of trickery in the, in the hope that you won't see what he's doing. A little, a little look here, a little taste there, a little word here, a little resentment there. A little, a little, a little, a little eventually comes big resentment, big judgment, big pride, big lust. Hello? Big anger. It all starts off just a little, just a little. If it was all in a, in a large scale, you'd see it. You know, Jesus said stumbling stones, they're not huge boulders. A stumbling stone is a little pebble like this that you can't see, but your foot grabs it as you're trying to walk and you trip. See? You know those huge concrete barriers that are out on 7th Avenue? You can't miss them. No one's going to drive into that willfully, at least consciously. But sometimes you'll be driving along and you won't see a pothole and bam, the whole car shudders. Why? Because you didn't see it. And that's the same tactics that the enemy uses when he's trying to spin a lie. Little here, little there, little compromise on this one ends up becoming a big compromise and eventually you're entertaining stuff that is sin. The lie is shrouded with humanistic good intentions, outcomes and self-preservation or gratification. Okay? This is where the cross comes into play. The lie is shrouded with humanistic good intentions or outcomes, okay? This shrouding leads down into a whitewashing of sin, eventually spiralling down into a justification of sin. I've often wondered why the Pharisees couldn't see their miserable state. It's because they became accustomed to 
making excuses for their sin. And their sin wasn't always outwardly. It was usually inwardly. Okay? That's why Jesus called them out. He said, you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're full of hatred and adultery and greed and covetousness. How did they get away with it? You know what? I really feel, and I know this is a touchy subject, they start to believe that God is okay with what I'm doing. Because they've made excuses. Well, you know, I'm not loved enough. The Lord doesn't mind if I take a little bit more from the offering than, than is mine. You know, he knows I need to feed the family. So now we're making excuses for stealing. God understands. And so when we start to make excuse, we start to cover it up from what it really is. It's sin. But we're trying to make God say, no, it's not sin. And so when you take that to the end of the line, this is why so many churches are in trouble with sexual abuse in the church. Because leaders are falling into sexual abuse of adults and children because they are now believing that what they're doing is is okay with God. This is a way that you serve God for me. Many times children are seduced because leaders are making excuses for their sin. They're justifying sin. This is how the Pharisees justified sin. Today in our daily scripture reading as as a family, we read out of Ezekiel 8 and the Lord was exposing the idolatry that the priests were committing in God's temple and Ezekiel said they believe that the Lord doesn't see it. They had an idol of Asherah. They were offering prayers to the sun and to Muz, these, these pagan idols. And they were thinking to themselves, God doesn't see. Does God see? Of course he does. Of course he does. But how did it start? No one gets up in the morning and thinks, I'm going to go out and sin as much as I can today. The lie gets in subtly. Just a little here, just a little there. Little folding of the hands, a little slumber, a little sleep. And then poverty comes upon you suddenly. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you generalities. I don't know what goes on in the mind of people who fall into these abusive situations. But I can tell you now, some of them, some of them still don't believe they're doing anything wrong. See? And, and society is getting so depraved now that they're trying to legalise sin. See? So we need to watch out for that in our own secret life. Is there such a thing as a secret self-life with God? The answer is no. But the enemy will trick you into thinking, well, no one knows, so who's going to get hurt? 
I'll tell you who, you are going to get hurt. Whenever you embrace a lie and end up believing that lie, it's going to end up either hurting you or killing you. Nothing good will come out of that union. Hello. And I'm learning that really quickly. The inner and the outward life and the hypocrisy that is between them is how we measure our holiness. Okay? What we are outwardly and what we are inwardly is a measure of how much hypocrisy we're walking in. Okay? It's also a measure of how much of our heart is sanctified toward God. And so many timely teachings. Last Sunday we, we, we touched a little bit on the, on the life of Samson in the portal. Right? Samson's life was outwardly failing. Inwardly, he possibly was worse. But when God finally got his inward life under his lordship, Samson overcame. When Samson finally said, I no longer want to live my life for myself. I want to live for God. And I want to die for God. See? And so we want our inward and our outward lives to be, by the grace of God, similar, exactly the same. Yeah? Not all of us are there yet. I often say to my family, you know, I want to live up to what I'm preaching because I'm preaching a lot. And God's calling me out on that. Okay? So I'm presenting this to you with a lot of grace because I know it's only His grace that will get me to walk this out. All right? That's why I said to you in the beginning, I'm not admitting anything and I'm not denying anything. I'm leaving it all to God and His grace, right? So doing the right thing, saying the right thing, but not out of conviction, out of looking good. Come on, get into this. This is the difference. Or looking Christian. I found out something. Selfish people, to remain selfish is a lot of hard work. Being selfish is hard work. It really is. It really is. You think... If I'm thinking about me, then I'm taken care of. No, it's hard work. It's hard work. God says if you let self die, he will do the work of keeping and giving you everything you need. That's a lot easier. When someone is taking care of your needs, it's easier than you're taking care of your own needs. No offence to any, any servants or maids or, you know, personal assistants. But wouldn't you like a personal assistant? Well, why don't you let the Lord be your own personal assistant? You go about doing His business, He'll take care of yours. 
But the moment you start taking care of your own business and making that the priority every morning, every day, that is exhausting. And not just physically, mentally. The reason why we hesitate is we we are not used to having the Lord and trusting him to take care of us. So I'm going to do this just in case. Just in case you don't love me enough, God, I'm going to find love somewhere else. See? So we do the right thing only when we're moving from a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we're moving into religion. And so without making this a sort of like generalised statement, having one or two evil thoughts is not a sign that you're evil. Come on, say that. It's when you have these habitual thoughts and desires that you know are wrong, that's an indication that something has gone a little awry in your life. If they're thoughts that you cannot resist, right, or you cannot stop these thoughts from continually coming, you need to see Dr. Robin's seminar of yesterday and start looking for a stronghold. And behind the stronghold, a strong man who has camouflaged his activity right under our noses but undetected. Could be rejection. Could be pride. It could be a trauma. See what I'm saying? And whatever excuses that we've used to justify whatever it is, the Holy Spirit, as Nate was saying during the worship, when the Holy Spirit brings that thing from the deep up, you know he's going to deal with it permanently. See, the devil wants to keep that down so it stays hidden. And the longer it stays hidden, the more damage it will do It's out to destroy you, destroy your relationships, destroy your family, destroy you, okay? So it's the thoughts and feelings that are seemingly uncontrollable and habitual and that are connected to what I call demonic triggers. Talked about this a few weeks ago. You might do something that doesn't affect me at all. But my brother or sister next to me is in a meltdown because something you said or did has triggered something emotionally or mentally or even physically in their lives and something now is overtaking. On the other hand, they mightn't have a reaction at all to something that's said or done to them, but when I hear it or or see it, I flip out because of my background you see, yeah. I have a different trigger than what they have. That's right. But the overcoming life is when there are no longer any more triggers. Oh, you, you see, you can, you can put Jesus in a corner and accuse him falsely. 
He's not going to react. He did it before Pilate. See? He's an amazing, amazing man. And I say that, I know he's God, but he was an amazing, amazing man. On the way to the cross, he says to the women who were weeping, don't weep. Weep for yourselves. What what do you mean? He says, if people are doing this when the tree is green, what are they going to do when the tree is dry? You don't look up the gospel, it's there. He said, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. If they're doing this with the Son of God on earth, can you imagine what's going to come next? Now, how does a guy carrying a cross still say something like that? I know how. He wasn't living and he wasn't dying for himself. He was doing it for his father. So the secret life surfaces occasionally. And you go, whoa, surprise. I didn't know that was there. So what's your first reaction? Cover it up, cover it up, cover it up. Go back down. Usually it takes circumstances that are out of our control. You've got a new position at work. The pressure is heavier. The bosses want more performance. Maybe a situation at home has changed. And your comfy zone has just been invaded. And now because you're all insecure, <laughs> the mask comes off. Excuse the pun. And some of the stuff that's down in the deep comes up to the surface. See? One wise preacher said, it's not that you're not, you're strong enough to withstand temptation. It's just that the temptation hasn't come in the right order just yet. Okay? I, I really know why Paul said in Romans chapter 2, he goes, first few verses, he says, Therefore you are without excuse, O man, you who judge another and do the same thing yourself. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Look, I don't rejoice. I, I, I feel at least I've come to that point like the apostle. I don't rejoice when, when Christians fall, especially leaders fall. I don't rejoice because I know if not for the grace of God, Satan is a real master at trickery. You know, a little thing here, little thing there, bang, 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 over a couple of years and then it's 10 years and it's still undetected. And then it's 20 years and bam, the whole ministry comes down. It's not just Christians. Please don't believe it's just Christians. There's there's big corporate giants out there who fall the same way. See? It's all trickery. So what's the solution? It's not a... Hallelujah. Obviously, it's Jesus. 
Look, conviction, number one, conviction that leads to confession. Conviction that leads to confession. It comes a time when you can't make excuses anymore. You can't cover the darkness and make it look nice anymore. But step number one is conviction that leads to confession. Number two, confession that doesn't allow any excuses for the behaviour or the sin. Remember Saul, the king, when the prophet Samuel said, why am I hearing the bleeding of sheep and cows? Saul said, I have fulfilled the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, but I'm hearing sheep and cows and women and children. He goes, but I kept the best spoils for sacrificing to the Lord. The heart of Saul's problem was he wanted to look good among the people. And so he disobeyed God. See? Cost him his kingship. But he started by saying, I have fulfilled the word of the Lord. He covered it up. Covered it up. In other words, surely the Lord will allow this. Isn't that what Cain did? I'll give him my vegetables, I'll give him my grain, I'll give him my wheat, but I won't give you blood. This is enough. See? So when we fall into making excuses, and I've been there, and I'm learning to hate making excuses, I've come from a background where it's really hard for me to see and admit there's darkness inside because that to me is a failure. See? So I try and say, no, it's not, it's not that dark. Because I'm afraid if it is that dark, God will reject me. It's like a, what do you call it? Like a catch-22. He knew it was there. Before I was born, he knew it was there. He just wants me to see it. But I won't see it unless I'm ready to really see it and stop covering it. Yeah? So confession that has no excuses, no cover-ups. Here's one. Confession that has no say in the outcome. What do I mean by that? Well, if I confess A, B, C and D, I might lose a job. I might lose a ministry. I might lose a relationship. If you truly want to get it right with God, trust God with the outcome. Are you hearing me? In other words, whatever God allows you to lose, he's doing it for your sake anyway. 
You have to hate the sin more than your reputation. I'm not fully there, but I'm getting there. Right? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm feeling a little fear just saying it. Because if not for the grace of God, some of the darkness would freak me out. And it's not that God hasn't been at work. It's taken this long because of the cover-ups. Excuses. I'm really not that bad. I'm really not that selfish, surely. And then lastly, confession that destroys any good self-image. I want to close by saying this. Confession itself is a big part with, with all these little conditions on it. So confession, sorry, conviction that leads to confession and then there's no excuses, no say in the outcome, no regard for your self-image and then it's a confession that leads to repentance. Now remember, confession is not repentance. Confession is admission wrongdoing. Repentance is the acting out of the reversal of the wrongdoing. Okay, what repentance in the Greek just means to turn around and go the other way. So if you're lying, you turn around and you speak the truth. If you're stealing, you turn around and you steal no more. See? If you're not loving, you turn around and you love proactively. Do you understand? Yeah. Repentance is proactive. Z- Zacchaeus, the tax collector, said when the Lord came to his house, he said, Lord, if I have taken more tax than what I have, I have been allocated to, I will repay those people four times over. And he did it. Did he repent? Yes, he did. What did he do? He righted the wrongdoing. You know, your tax was uh, 20000 this year. I took 40000 I'm giving you 20000 back. Can you imagine the looks on his clients? When he knocks on the door and he goes, uh, I've, I've, given, I've come to give you a tax refund, but it's not really from the government, it's from me. What do you mean, Zacchaeus? I stole it from you. Wow. I know what some of the reactions would have been at the door. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, Lord, if I have wronged anyone, by taking more than what was mine, I'll give it back. And I'm exaggerating to bring the point. Our repentance has to be consistent until the change comes. This is good. Wow. Wow. I remember Pastor and I think Mark Verkler and you both said, change, real change, takes about six months. Wow. Okay. 
when you've consistently done the repentance for about six months, it's permanent. Now that is a part of your life. You don't have to change in that area anymore. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to forgive us for any secret self-life, whether it's a fantasy, whether it's something dark that you know you're not happy with and the Lord's not happy with, whether it's a resentment, even a hatred, a greed, a lie. Are you living a lie? about something in your life, okay? Whatever it is that you feel God isn't seeing or God is excusing, ask for his grace because he's not excusing it. He's just giving you grace so that you will come to him and say, remove it. Take it out of my life and fashion me to be the person that you died for. That's where I'm coming to in my walk. I've literally seen images of the Lord crucifying my old self on the cross and then moulding me from scratch, from clay. All of my hopes and my dreams and my aspirations, put them all on the cross. The woulda, coulda, shoulda, hadda, life, put it on the cross. Because that life was a lie. That wasn't the maximised life. That's a life that I thought was life in the old man. The only life that's maximised is when I'm doing what the master has called me to do. I'm sure Joseph went through this. How many times in the dungeon or in Potiphar's house was Joseph thinking, I shouldn't be here. This is not the life I ought to have. It wasn't until he finally died to his dream that God gave him the life that God wanted him to have. Isn't that amazing? Because sometimes your God-given dream can become an idol. Because what he's giving you becomes God and not God himself. All right, so let's pray. You want to come up, pastors? Be good? Should we pray now? Father, we, we thank you for your grace. Lord, there's no one like the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's no one like you, Holy Spirit. You're a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. We're asking for grace because when your word, your revelation divides, many times it reveals things that we've been unaware of, motives that are unclean, preservation as it would of self. 
the ungodly self. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for transformation, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord, that you bring about circumstances that reveal the darkness so that we may be delivered and that we truly stand before you blameless without accusation. Only because of your mercy is this possible. We declare today, Lord, that we will be free from the secret life of self and that we will not walk in darkness but in light and that by your grace, Lord, we will come to the light so that our deeds will be made manifest before God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for forgiveness and for courage. I'm asking for courage for myself and for the church to be able to look and admit wherever there's darkness in the soul. And we look forward to freedom as we sung tonight. Lord, it's the soul that sets that is set free that truly praises the loudest. Amen. What are those lyrics? There's no sound louder than the captive that's been set free. For our online audience and those who may be in our auditorium tonight. This kind of inner cleansing and sanctification is only possible by a real relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the chain breaker. So I encourage you to pray this simple prayer of repentance. If this is the first time you've faced your darkness, there's hope. Like Samson, you can get your strength back through the grace of God. Pray this prayer, Father God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and wash me clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe you, Jesus, died for my sins and rose again so that I may live with you. Come into my heart and be the Lord and Saviour of my life. Lord Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, I may have prayed it a little differently than what's online at the moment. We're having a little issue with our monitor. But nevertheless, contact us. There's information on the bottom of your screen. The next step is critical for you becoming We'd love to help you if you're in the tri-state area. If you're not, we can connect you to someone that can help you. Help is available. We bless you. We say good night. God bless you all. And thank you for watching Talk New York here in New York City. Amen. I'll hand it over to you, Pastor Nate.
What a word. <laughs> you know, I, um, without going into any detail, I really see the power of God transforming things in myself and my father. Um, sometimes when people come into the kingdom and you've been set free from a lot, you know the power of grace. But sometimes there's people that come into the kingdom that don't get to understand the power of that grace because you weren't that bad of a person. You know, you didn't, you're not a murderer, you're not a, you know, a whatsoever. But don't allow yourself to be robbed of experiencing the power of the transforming through God's grace because you hold on to self-righteousness. Because you will only ever experience the full dynamic of grace when you realise that yes, your soul needed saving, but your personality needs saving. Your mouth needs saving. Your emotions need saving. Your motivations need saving. Every layer of you. See, I feel like a lot of the church, when we give our heart to Jesus, we see the sins that we would have committed or that we have committed nailed to the cross. But what needs to be nailed in our minds is the current person that we think is good in God's eyes so that He can give us back His version of us. We sang it tonight. You can only get His version of you when you're ready to give up your version of you. And that's what this message is about. A lot of us, even as Pastor Tony was talking, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me straight away, I'm in the room, Nathan, and I'm searching. I'm searching hearts. Now, this is not to condemn you. Remember, if He's bringing it to the surface, it's because the strong man is not as strong as you thought he is. But He has to bring it to the surface. In the hopes that this time when He brings it to the surface, you don't deny that it's not there. You say, yeah, Lord, wow. I've agreed with that. It's become me. I've wanted that. I've been that dark. To use Brother Tim's words, pretty dark. But greater is He that is in you than he that lives in the darkness. And that's what we have to hold on to. Greater is He. If it's coming to the surface, I'm going to keep saying it until you get that revelation. It's not because He's punishing you. It's not because He's teaching you a lesson. And it's not because, you know, uh, He doesn't love you and He wants to show you what you're doing wrong. It's because you're not living your best life. You're not living a maximised life that He died to give you. And you cannot live that maximised life until all of what's down deep comes up. So he can say, you know, Pastor Tony said last week to our church in Sydney when he preached the message about holding up the rod, he said, the Lord is getting us to the point where we want to do His will. We don't have to be coached. We don't have to be convinced. He wants us to desire that version of ourself so much more than the version that we've settled for. 
So that like He said, we're ready to say, yeah, I'll confess. I'll confess and I'll put no conditions on the confession. I'll put no conditions on the outcome. I won't determine how I get healed. I won't determine how I get free. If I have to lose everything and gain you, I'm ready to do it. Just give me Jesus. So I'm going to pray and seal this. But I know Pastor Robin and myself, Pastor Tony, don't walk away condemned tonight. Walk away uplifted and set free. Pastor's going to bring the final word. Don't lose what God did last night, but um, be aware of something here. This is a move of the Lord. The church has been compromising for years. We made it sinner-friendly. Yeah, we don't want to tell people the truth from the pulpit because we don't want to lose the numbers. We don't want to lose this. We don't lose the look, you see. And so now the Lord is doing an awesome work. And He's saying, I want my people. They belong to me. They're my children. Let me run my church. It is the Lord's church and He does want to run it. And I think one place here is we do let him run his church. He confronted me on this years ago. It's your church, Lord. You run it. So you'll always get teaching from here that will grow you. Not puff you up, but grow you. And then... I'm sure in your Christian walk you've wondered, transformation, how do I get to that place? I want to be transformed into his image more and more and more. And so we start this process of trying to do it ourselves. And that just becomes works. We just work. And then we get confused. We don't know our work, God's work, when it started, when it finished, when He's begun and it ended. We just don't know. And you see, as leaders, and I'm going to speak for leadership, as leaders, we haven't just trusted the pure Word of God, to do the work. I'm telling you, you're hearing a heavy word tonight, a strong word, but it wasn't delivered in pain to you. It was delivered in truth. Truth. I trust the Holy Spirit. I trust Him. This is His church. You're not going to wake, walk away condemned. You're going to walk away more and more free. Because it's time for the pulpit to trust the Holy Spirit to do the work. 
That's why I got up here tonight, as the Lord told me, and said, please tell them the difference between power and authority. When we go after the power, you can get confused with the devil because he'll run you round in circles with power. But he don't like authority because that's the real deal. So if he's showing you tonight, there's, a inner, there's an inner life that's hidden. It's okay. Just let him bring it up. And you'll realize as he deals with the strong man, as you let the Lord do this, you won't want that in a hidden life anymore. Because like I said tonight, you begin to like what the Holy Spirit is doing. You know, you've got two types of people. You've got the people in the church that have really been saved by grace. <laughs> you know, they've come through hell. And then you've got others, you know, they've got their trophies of the past. And they find it hard to give them up. You know, they really do. But the church needs both. The church needs both because out there in the world, there's both. So let's let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. It's fine. And uh, I promise you, you will get the truth from this pulpit. I don't have time to play games. It's too important now because time is of the essence. Every day should count. Don't feel con condemned. If anything at all, feel convicted, but not condemned. You know, because I trust the Holy Spirit with you. I'd like you to trust the Holy Spirit with you. You'll always get it because he runs his church in talk, Sydney and New York. God bless you guys. Amen. Let's just stand. Alex, can you play Jesus Loves Me? feel to sing this, to finish with this declaration. Very simple. Father, we just thank you that you are, you are releasing your Holy Spirit to be the searchlight in the room, even now, Lord. And we thank you that when you search us out, you don't search us out to prove a point or to condemn us, but you search us out because you show us what we're settling for. 
when you want to give us the best. And so I just ask for a new uh, revelation of this word as we move into the week, even coming up into the conference. There's going to be many, many dark things, Lord, that are shown. But let us walk out of here confidently knowing that light is greater than the darkness. And that when we trust you to bring up the darkness, you can turn that darkness into light. So we thank you and we bless you in this place. We take off the blinders, we take off the excuses, we take off the covering leaves and fig leaves that we've put on these situations, on these parts of our soul. And we allow you to touch it with your grace. And we say, Lord, whatever it is, just give me Jesus. Let that be our confession. Let that be our reality. So that like Dr. Robin said, we see that the secret life is not as good as a life of truth. Because the truth is what sets us free. And you are that truth. It has a name and the name is Jesus. Jesus' name. Let's sing this. Just finish with this worshipping part. We sing Jesus loves me. Come on. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. He will wash away my sins. Let this little child come in. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And Jesus loves me when I'm good. When I do the things I should And Jesus loves me when I'm bad Although it makes Him very Come on, sing yes Yes, Jesus loves me Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Sing it again. Put your hand on your heart. Yes, Jesus loves me. 
called is the bill of goods that the life that is left hidden is the best. It is not. It is not. And it really makes him sad when you want less than what he wants to give you because he wants to give you the best. One thing I learned from the Holy Spirit, I hope this helps. One thing, through all the rejection in my life, through many, many abuses and such, I'm a good pastor because I've been abused and I understand and I see how people need things. But I want to say this to you. I got delivered of a lot of rejection. But I still had other things that were trying to choke the life out of me to do with rejection. And I would revert back to rejection. It was like a protection, rejection. It was a protection for me. I don't know, did it keep me a victim? Maybe it did. But I know I don't want to hurt the Lord ever. And one time something happened and I reverted back to rejection. And the Lord said to me, my daughter, I hear him very clearly, my daughter, you hurt me when you look at yourself and you see yourself the way you do. It really caused me to stand in my straight up. I said, what did you mean, Lord? That's not how I see you. Why do you see yourself like that? Why do you live in that? And I began to see it just was not what God wanted for me. So if I see that foul thing coming my way, I don't defend, I attack. I don't defend, I attack. Because my Lord doesn't like the way I look at myself when that thing comes near me, that spirit of rejection. That was a secret life. It's no more a secret life in my life, you know. So I would encourage you. Give up your secret life for a better life. A transformed life. A life that you're going to look at and say, well, you know, I like what you're doing, Lord. I like me. Do you know, all my life I wanted to like something 
about me. And you know what? God's cleaning me up. And do I like me? Why don't you join me on this journey? Get rid of that secret life. Let's sing it, Pastor. One more time. Jesus. And yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Every time we sing these songs, Every time I sing a ballad, my son cracks up. Deke, it's okay. I know you're lamenting. It's your prophetic nature. It's okay. <laughs> Come on. Sing yes, it. Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Come on. This is the life you want. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine upon you. The weeping prophet here. <laughs> Seal upon you His Spirit and bring you back together in this assembly safe and sound to worship all over again. God is with you. Be gone. Be blessed. <laughs> and I am opening up yes. that altar. If you want to go and spend time with Jesus, feel free to do that. If you say, Lord, I don't want to go home before you and I have this talk. But it's not someone ministering to you. It has to be the Holy Spirit ministering to you. And then we'll be doing portals tonight. <laughs> So I just let you know, get ready. Because we know an enemy and we need to tell the rest of Christianity there's an enemy. And then, of course, I wanted to ask you if there's anyone this week that can make yourself available for us. This is a big thing we're doing at the weekend, next weekend. I'm on the phone to England and different things and I have to organise so much. Anybody that can help Natalie, me, anyone, please, especially men because when this big, big screen arrives, it has to be put up, this LED screen. We have a lot going on this week, a lot. I have to... Get ready a whole program. You know, I don't know what I need, but just make yourself available if you've got some free time and we'll just see what the Lord does with it. Okay, babysitting, maybe looking after the kids, helping us, maybe taking our dogs for a walk. Well, we haven't got time to even take the dogs for a walk at the moment. It's hard to take ourselves for a walk. And, uh, you know, um, we appreciate everything you guys are doing for us. We're having people come in now that, um, that uh, we know 
that need to have so much help. I don't know where this ministry is going to lead after this. But we have uh, two of our speakers that have put our SRA conference on their website. They've got all their people supporting it. So uh, I need to get a, a thing ready for Wilfred to uh, get to England because he affects Scotland and England, Wales, all that. Wow. I don't know what's going to happen as a result of this. I think a lot of things have come, to come out of the woodwork. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. So um, if it's, if it, if you want to, there's the, there's, there's the altar. I'm sorry. Oh. Okay. So I think what we might do rather than, yes, Alex would love to do that for you, won't you, Alex? Just play some music. This, uh, this altar is free. You know, it's free, but it's not for condemnation. So please don't come down and condemn yourself. There was never a message preached that should have been preached from the pulpit for a long time. We forgive leadership for finding ways to keep it friendly. But there's power in the blood. There's power in the message of conviction and repentance. The cross has to be preached from the pulpit. And then we wouldn't... I, I, I'm, I'm saying that responsibility has to come from the church. The church has let so many victims down. So, Lord, please forgive us if we haven't done it directly. We stand in the gap for all leadership. And we pray that the leadership get the reality that all over the world that they need more than gimmicks in their church. That they need a pure message of God. That has to stand. That has to stand. That has to be the power. Not great charisma or charismatic power. It's the Word of God has to stand. It's powerful, the Word of God. The preaching of the cross is powerful, should not be avoided. So it's open to you. I'll leave it with you and Jesus. If this is your first time accepting Jesus, we would love for you to get in touch with us so we can walk alongside you in taking your next steps in faith. 
There is so much that God wants to do in your life to show his goodness and love. And our team is ready and willing to connect you and partner with you on your journey. Visit torque.org slash contact to speak to someone today. It is our joy to partner with you and see Jesus become real, relevant, and relational in every part of your life. Thanks for listening to the talk message of the week. We hope you were encouraged by this and stirred to make this more than just words, but a reality. If you have been impacted by what was shared, why not go ahead and share it with someone who you know needs to hear it? You can get the latest episodes of this podcast by subscribing via Spotify, Apple, or your talk app. Need to rewatch this message again? Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check out talktv.org for more amazing content. We thank you for your generous support and prayers. And if you would like to contribute to our ministry, please visit talk.org forward slash give. From all of our leaders and team, we love you, are praying for you, and believing for your every step to be aligned with Him and His Spirit this week. Until we see you next time, God bless.